Welcome to Tribe Talk, where we focus on the topics that will help you improve your mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. I'm Dr. Elena Villanueva, and helping people improve their mental health is my passion. I'm Ann Hutira, and nutrition is my passion. Together, we invite you to be a part of our tribe and learn how addressing the root causes of your symptoms can bring you improved health and wellness. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the next hour of Tribe Talk. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Villanueva with my co-host, Ann Hutera, with Tribe Talk, and we're super excited to have you here with us today. We have a very special guest speaker, and we're super, super excited to introduce you to her. Um, Ann, do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, our guest speaker today? Absolutely. We have Dr. Christina Bjorndahl with us. She's an authority in the treatment of mental illnesses such as depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and eating disorders. Now, having overcome many mental health challenges, Dr. Chris is a gifted speaker and writer who loves to share her philosophy of wellness. She's recognized as one of the top NDs to follow by two independent organizations. And Dr. Chris has helped many patients achieve physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. She's written four books on mental health, as well as created two courses to help spread her, her, her knowledge. Dr. Chris, we're so excited to have you with us today. Thanks for taking the time to be here and, and share your message with us. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I've been wanting to connect with you guys for a long time. Wonderful. Now, we know that you're very passionate about... Um, sharing your knowledge about mental illness. You have your own personal story. Tell us about your own journey with regaining your mental health. Yeah, so I haven't always been a naturopathic doctor and it's really through my own struggles that I ended up becoming one. So in high school, I developed an eating disorder and that continued into university. And then when I was in my third year of university, I found myself in a place that I never really been before, which was debilitated with depression and paralyzed by anxiety. So then I started some medication. And then a few months later, I found myself in another place that I'd never been before, which was experiencing sleepless nights and rapid speech. And that kind of spun into a delusional psychotic event. So I was then diagnosed with bipolar disorder type 1. And what I did with that was I pretty much stuffed that as far away from me as possible. <laughs> and, you know, that was not happening to me. And I just continued wearing this mask that I know all too well, which is I'm okay on the outside, but I'm not actually doing that great on the inside. And so I just continued marching forward in the world, but really struggling. And um, the turning point for me was a suicide attempt that left me in a coma with kidney failure. And I was on dialysis. And when I, um, kind of, when I came out of that coma, I can tell you I wasn't super happy about it, that I was still here. And so I, I really realized that I needed to figure out another way to navigate this journey, you know, my mental health. And the way that I was doing it wasn't working. So I learned about uh, nutrition and orthomolecular psychiatry. And I started down that path with, a, with Dr. Abram Hoffer, who in Canada was quite renowned for his work in this area. 
and I started his support supplements and um, carried that along with the, and I was on five psychotropic medications at that time. So I carried those along for a year and then I had, that was really my first year where I felt completely free from depression and anxiety. And in the 15 years prior to that, there was always times, whether it was, you know, a month or two months or three months where I was suffering. And so I felt, I, I realized there, got, there has to be something to this because that was the biggest change that I made. And so eventually then I also made uh, a career change after asking myself this one question, which was if money didn't matter, what would I be doing with my life? And the answer that kept coming up for me was to go back and go back to school and learn um, this orthomolecular or naturopathic approach to addressing mental illness because I know that there are lots of people suffering and um, so that's really the, the, the journey in, in a nutshell for you. You know, your, your story really hits home for me because we do so much work also, you know, in the field of, you know, people struggling with mental health disorders and people struggling with neurodegenerative disease. And, and, and I also have a story that's somewhat similar to yours in certain aspects. And um, I know that you, you talk about the four aspects of health that you think are important to address your patients and their overall health. What are these four aspects of health that you teach? Yeah, so what we want to understand is, as human beings, there's, there's more to us than just that physical level. So, so the four aspects are physical, mental, emotional, and then spiritual. And the spiritual piece is really, the, if you want to look at like a circles, the spiritual would be the center. And, and, and disruptions can happen on any one of those four levels. So for me, it started with that physical piece, like putting in the, in the, in the support, the nutritional support and the cofactors to support neurotransmitter pathways and to balance hormones. But ultimately, I then had to eventually bump up against my thoughts and my emotions and really what is my purpose, which comes, speaks to that spiritual piece. So I just want people to understand that you want to be looking at all of these areas in your life because the imbalance could lie in one of those four areas. And if you're just going to look at the physical level alone, I think you're going to miss 75% of the puzzle. I love that. I think that's, um, that's a really important approach to take. We take a very similar approach with our clients and knowing that you can't just address the physical, you have to address everything else because it is all connected. But in talking about that physical level, how do you support the physical level of health when you are addressing something like mental health? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, cause not, not everybody that comes in is sort of ready to look at all those other pieces of the puzzle. Right. So, Oh, you know, and you want to, you want to, uh, you, you know, you really do need to look at the physical level. It's an important piece. And we're always about, well, what's the root cause, right? What's, what's really the underlying problem here. But I think the main message I want people to get to understand is that, there is an explanation for your suffering. I don't think we're all just meant to suffer. So in terms of that, the, the, on the physical level, I just want people to understand that there's three macro systems within you. So you have your neurotransmitters, then you have your hormones or your neuroendocrine system, and then you have your organs of detoxification and immune system. And from a root cause perspective, imbalances can lie in any one of those three areas. So like an interesting side note for me, I mentioned that I had developed an eating disorder in high school, but 
what happened prior to that was I did a year of antibiotics to treat acne. So this was back in 1983, a long time ago, so I'm kind of dating myself now. But what we want to understand is at that time, there was no conversation going on about the relationship between the gut and the brain. But we know now that there is a huge relationship between the microbiome and your mental health. So to me, that really highlights the importance of taking a case and, and understanding that, yes, the physical level is really important. So in my case, I had to work on all three of those macro systems, but I didn't actually learn about the microbiome until much later in my, in my health journey. I'm glad that you mentioned eating disorders in there with, with those other, you know, the other diagnoses that you talk about, because we do see occasionally clients who have eating disorders as well. And they've been told things like, it's all in your head, you need to get over it. But there is a physical aspect of an eating disorder as well. And that's what I think is hard for a lot of people to understand when they're, um, you know, looking at someone with an eating disorder that it's not all mental. That's not a mental issue. There could be a physical issue there as well into why someone has an eating disorder. So I think that's a really important point that you're bringing up. It's not a lot of people are aware of that. Right. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is that the, the bugs and the, so we want to understand that you have three pounds of bacteria in your digestive tract alone. And the ratio or the balance between these bacteria is really important. And if you, and I'm not saying never to take an antibiotic, but what I am saying is you have to understand what that does and then to replenish and restore afterwards if you need to do that. Because if you don't, what tends to repopulate and come back first is an opportunistic path pathogen that we talk about in naturopathic medicine, which is something called candida. And that organism survives with sugar, which is something that a lot of people seem to enjoy. And, and in eating disorders, especially with binge eating or bulimia, the sh sugar is a really big piece of that puzzle. But is it really you that's craving the sugar or is it these bugs in your gut that is, are sending the signals to your brain for you to want the sugar? So hopefully that's making sense. So I'm explaining it. Yeah, you know, that totally makes sense. Um, in fact, you know, we, we expand on that. And, um, you know, we, we understand that, you know, when there is an imbalance in the microbiome, not only can we have overgrowth of candida, but we can have other pathogens that normally, you know, um, and I like to compare it to like weeds in the yard. You know, if you have a healthy ecosystem in your yard uh, with, you know, grass and all your plants and the soil and all that, you, you know, you may only see like a couple of weeds a week pop up, but if the ecosystem gets out of balance, like the weeds can just start going nuts and really just like taking over the whole yard. And that's what can happen in our, in our gut. And we can end up having, you know, other pathogens as well, you know, yeah. like uh, clostridia and you can have, you know, H. pylori and you can have all these other things that are known to cause you know, neurochemical imbalances in the brain as well. And so, you know, absolutely what you're saying makes so much sense um, because, you know, we address it from that same aspect too. Now, I've got a question. I wanted to ask you, like, when you're addressing the whole person, when you're working with your patients and you're, and, and you're taking into account not just the physical aspects, but the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects too, what's steps or what order are you working in? Because a lot of people, you know, 
that's like a really valid question, right? A lot of people want to know, well, what do you work on first? And mm -hmm. do you work on one thing first and then the other? Or do you kind of address it all at the same time? What's, what's your plan of action there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the approach that I take is the foundation of health is diet. And with that, encompassing within that is what we were just talking about is the microbiome and, and taking a look at what's happening with the liver and this the whole digestive system is really important. So that's where, that's, a, that's where I start. But then also the other building blocks that I put in place it relate to sleep, exercise, and then managing stress. So that's the foundation of your health house, so to speak. And then the next levels that I like to look at relate to those uh, other, the mental, emotional, spiritual. So then I like to look at your thoughts, how you behave and react in the world, understanding the role the environment can play from three perspectives, the quality of the air, food and water, the idea of epigenetics and that concept of neuroplasticity, which we can expand on more if we need to. And then the last areas are wrapping things up in this idea of spirituality and then ultimately love uh, and compassion for yourself. Because at the end of the day, I really think it all comes down to that as well. I know for me, uh, anyone who is, at, is struggling with suicidal ideations or depression or really deep into that, you are usually at war with yourself. So to me, it's really important to get that relationship right. So that's, those are the steps that I take people through and it really is, you know, usually the first visit is just putting in place support on that physical level. And then as we work together in the following, in the following visits, then I get more into looking at your thoughts and emotions and boundaries and how you behave and react and that love piece. And then and a question that I like to ask everybody is on a scale of one to 10, how much do you love yourself? Where do you, where do you put yourself on that scale? And if you're listening now, you know, take the time to answer that for yourself. And I think, um, you know, it's very rare for me to get someone with an answer greater than five. So I think, um, you know, we have to look at what's, what's happened in that person's life to have them feel that way about themselves, whether it's trauma, uh, you know, what, what's, what's really happened to them and understand that piece too. Yeah, you know, so much of that can be so deeply rooted, even generational. And, you know, we have found when we're working with our clients uh, and, and, you know, and we do pretty intensive programs with them when we have, we have, you know, different coaches that are working on the different aspects, you know, the emotional and, and, you know, the brain repatterning side and then the nutrition and the biological and genetic and all of that. And, um, we have found, and I've even seen it, you know, in, in uh, family and friends who've been working on themselves. And it even took me a while to learn how to reconstruct those thought patterns. You know, that can be really, really hard. What are you doing with somebody who you get, who, um, you know, when they're rating themselves in self-love um, and they're a five or below, you know, like, what are you seeing on average the time that it's taking for that transformation in their mindset where they're able to really repattern those thoughts and those and release those constructs that are no longer serving them to be able to adapt and I actually identify with new constructs that can help them and serve them to help them heal and then to help them you know, sustain vitality and even longevity in their life, because, you know, that can be 
that can be one of the hardest things to do. It's, it's not hard to identify an infection and eliminate that or to identify <laughs> like toxins and get rid of that. You know, you can say, oh, that's going to take around nine months to get rid of these, you know, mycotoxins or these chemical toxins. It can take up to two years to, you know, get rid of these heavy metals, you know, just because that's just how long it takes. It takes yeah. But how do we quantify the length of time that it can take for people to literally repattern their brains and, you know, and have a totally different, um, uh, you know, put a new set of lenses on so that they can see themselves and the world around them differently. Because we know that that can be the biggest obstacle to people healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not an easy question to answer. I think it really depends on the individual and how much they're willing to take a look at this piece of the puzzle. So, so in my case, I'm, I'm adopted. And so, you know, I never really sort of looked at that as a, as a trauma, but I've recently been doing um, a year's, I just finished a year's training with Dr. Gabor Mate, who teaches a process called compassionate inquiry. So it, I think it really, as I sort of mentioned earlier, it really depends on how far back things go so if we're talking about, you know, and you mentioned intergenerational trauma, right? So if we're dealing with, like Christiane Northrup says that we're the culmination of the seven generations that have gone before us. So it really depends on, on the case. But I've seen some, some patients, once I teach, so there's a process that I teach, like a starting point for everyone that uh, you can incorporate today. If, if you follow these steps, this is a great place to start. So it's called... To simplify, I'll just say it's the five hours of working with problematic thoughts. So the first place you want to start is what are you thinking? Like what is the nature of the thoughts that you're thinking? And if they're along those lines of being at war with yourself, being critical with yourself, if, if the inner critic has the stage, we need to allow some space for the inner cheerleader. So just simply asking and tuning into yourself, who does have the stage in your head? Because for me, as I was mentioning, that physical level, supporting myself with balancing the neurotransmitters and balancing my hormones and working on my gut health and dealing with heavy metals and doing everything on that physical side took me so far. But then I bumped up against myself, right? These core beliefs, these shadow beliefs that left me in this battle, so to speak, within that I had a hard time articulating to somebody else. So this so this so the step approach that i learned was the first step is to recognize what is the nature of your thoughts and then if you recognize that they're not helpful then let's refrain from following them anymore because what you want to understand is your thoughts affect your emotions then your emotions affect your thoughts and then your thoughts affect your emotions and you can just go round and round and this gets into psychoneuroimmunology and the idea that your thoughts create neuropeptides and then those neuropeptides affect the hormones that get produced. And then those hormones that get produced in turn affect how you feel. So it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg problem that we have here. And I think one of the reasons that I struggled for so long was I had a lot of resistance to this idea of change your thoughts, change your life. Like I, like if you had said that to me, I would have rolled my eyes at you and walked out of the room because I felt like people were implying that I was intentionally causing my mental health challenges with my thoughts. But what I didn't understand is this 
concept of psychoneuroimmunology and this physiological cascade that can happen just as a result of the thoughts that we think. So understand that there's two branches to your nervous system, sympathetic, think sympathetic or stressed, or parasympathetic and relaxed. And we're only in one state at a time. And certain functions in the body, like digestion, which a lot of us are focused on, right? The nutrition and the food and, and gut health, that's not going to happen effectively if we're in a sympathetic state. So the state in which you're in is really, really important. And the thoughts that you think affect that state. So that's a, I know that's a big mouthful for people to digest in this moment. So if you want to learn more, just Google my name on, or YouTube, like search Dr. Chris Bjorndal in psychoneuroimmunology. I've created a little video that's helpful. But to finish those steps, so first recognize if it's got the inner critic has the stage, let's refrain. And then we refrain by relaxing into the breath. And that relaxing piece, if we can engage properly and take a proper diaphragmatic breath, we can help shift ourselves into that parasympathetic state. And then the fourth step is to, you gotta repeat those first three steps. And then the fifth R is we take that thought, and this is, the, this is where I struggled, we take that thought that was we recognize as problematic and we rephrase it. Now, if you're like me and that rephrase is too big of a step to go from I am unworthy to I am worthy, then just simply go neutral and say I am. And that in and of itself is a very powerful statement. But going neutral is actually really difficult. Like as humans, we're really descriptive with the language that we use. So as, a, as an assignment for people, you can just see if you can just stay neutral for your whole day, you know, the weather is, the, the dinner, you know, is, the whatever, you know, whatever, whatever you're describing and talking about, you just simply say it is, instead of giving all the descriptives. Or if, you, if you're already on that bent where you can move into the, into the positive, then, then stay there for sure. So that's a first step. And then I just understand that not every thought you think do you have to believe. So most of the thoughts that we have when we examine them under the lens of truth end up dissolving. So this belief that we may uh, have that we're, you know, we're unworthy, we're not lovable, whatever they are, we need to get to the root of that and, and figure out what, you know, where that originated for people. And so for me, you know, it stemmed from this this, um, I don't necessarily need to go into it too far, but just stem, stemmed from some beliefs that were formed when I learned that I was adopted and how I processed that in my brain. So sort of went on a tangent there, but hopefully you're still with me. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm still with you. And, and uh, um, I definitely would uh, love to have Anne chime in on this part, but, you know, we are constantly you know, our entire team, you know, we're always working on our self-growth as well. Um, because, you know, as we continue educating ourselves and moving in our journeys of transformation, um, you know, one of the things that Anne and I have recently learned about, and we've been like in the thick of it, really exploring it for ourselves and what it means to us is that, you know, we are born into a reality that is dualistic, that is polarizing, and things are either, you know, we are taught from the time of birth. I mean, this is generation, you know, hundreds of years of generational programming that, you know, that, uh, you know, things are either good or they're bad. 
and, 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 you know, and what's good and what's bad is determined by, you know, the people that were before us. And, and, you know, if, if we want to steer everyone towards good, we control them through the shaming mechanism. And uh, that just creates so much destruction overall. And, um, you know, we are seeing big changes in our world right now um, that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that uh, a lot of people would say that, you know, the world is, you know, our constructs are finally crumbling. These constructs that no longer serve us, they are crumbling. And, um, and there are many of us who are learning about this. Um, and there are probably a lot of different words for this, but, you know, we're, we're learning about this new idea of a place of like nolarity. Um, and, and do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I mean, that, that can really set the stage for being able to release this whole construct of, you know, this was good or this was bad. Um, and if we can release that and just be, be in that neutral state, like you said, I am, we can just be and just watch it. You know, we can, very easily move on from these traumas and these constructs that have been holding us back. Right, Anne? Yeah, you know, what, what Dr. V is saying, I agree with completely. You know, our team here at Modern Holistic Health, we've been doing the work on ourselves this year as well, because we do see what's happening in the world. Things are changing. And I think if, you know, so many people out there want to do what they can to put some good positive change out into the world. But where do you start with that? You have to look at yourself first. How do you change the world? You change yourself. You look at yourself, mm -hmm. you understand yourself. And I, I love how you've broken that down into the five R's, easy steps for people to really grasp how they can, can begin to look at their thoughts and look at their patterns because these are subconscious things that most of us don't even recognize until totally. someone brings it to our attention so when you tell someone oh you need to change your thought process or you need to you know be more positive how does someone even do that it becomes really frustrating when 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 a person is told that and so i love that you've broken it down into the five r's because that makes it really simple to grasp and understand what the concept is and how to do that um, and yeah, doing the work on yourself is so important. I mean, you, you mentioned shadow shadow work. I think that's something that people should really explore and look into and understand that we have this shadow self and we shouldn't hide that self. We should address it and appreciate it for what it is because that's a big part of who we are. Yeah. Yeah, one thing, a couple of things I was gonna say about that. Um, first of all, you can, as a clinician, you can only take someone as far as you've gone yourself. So you can only really help somebody as far as you've, you've been willing to look at yourself. So that's really, I think, important piece that you're mentioning. Like do, you're also, you know, doing the work and as, have, as, as have, have I. So, and I'm not finished, right? So it's, this is a journey that we're on. And, and the other piece is with trauma. So Dr. Mate says that, so a lot of people think trauma is the event that happens. It's really, it's really the, and I don't want to dismiss the event, but it's really what happens within you as a result of that event. So the beliefs that you form as a result of that and bringing compassion to that part of you at that time, whenever these beliefs were formed. And then to tag on to also mentioning with respect to shadow beliefs, the person who I looked into was Debbie Ford. So people can look into her, she has a book called Shadow Beliefs. So um, these are, and you know that there's a shadow belief at play 
whenever you say that you want to perhaps you want something but you never do it so for example I'll, I'll use my own self as an example so for many years so i worked in the corporate world before i became a naturopathic doctor and i had a high profile job reported to a ceo uh and i but i was always complaining always complaining i wanted to leave my job i wanted to leave my job and not to mention that I'm wearing this mask, right? That I'm, that I'm, you know, I'm, I've got this motto, you're never going to see me sweat. But meanwhile, I'm not doing good on the inside. Um, and that takes on to just another piece about this love piece. I, I, I hated the diagnosis that I had. I did not want, I didn't want anybody to know that I had bipolar disorder. So the shadow belief for me was I, it felt so people are going to do what feels more comfortable for them. So it felt safer for me to stay in this job that was sucking the life out of me and that I really had a hard time with than risk rejection looking for another job. Because risking rejection really got to the, my core wound. So I didn't realize that till many years later as to why. And it, just, it takes time. It really takes a lot of time, a lot of getting curious, a lot of being a lot of, of not judging yourself, a lot of just, just sort of moving into this questioning about, oh gosh, I wonder how come that thought just entered. Right, it's not that I never have suicidal thoughts. They, they sometimes come, but now I use the five R's, right? I recognize, ooh, that is like, that's bells going off, red flags going off, that in that moment, I am not loving myself. So how can I move to self-love and if that's too hard of a place to go, then let's just be neutral, like I've been talking about. Let's just move to a, to a gentler, kinder, more compassionate place. And then do the breathing, come to this moment, look, out, look at something in nature. I usually look out my window at a cloud or a tree or a bird flying by and just connect with the moment so that we can basically calm that nervous system. Because remember, the, the brain is it's a busy place. There's a lot of thoughts swirling around for most people. So the more that we can create that place of calm is really helpful. And through that process, then you can uncover, well, what are your, your some people can uncover their core beliefs very easily. Um, and not all of your core beliefs, I don't, it's, it's the negative ones that we want to work through. And I have a big list and, and I, in my book, and there's also, I'm sure people can just Google, you know, lists of core beliefs, and I'm, I'm sure those will come up. But just to, to start there and see if you can, um, it's I, ideally work with someone to help you uh, come up with rephrases if those are, are hard for you. But, but on the same token, I don't want to ignore or deny, like this isn't about denying things within us. It's not about suppressing thoughts or ignoring them. It's really just about getting curious about them and seeing if we can bring compassion to ourselves instead of continuous contempt. Well, I absolutely love that. And we're super, super excited about it, um, about your, your book and, um, you know, and about just spreading the word about the work that you're doing, because the work that you're doing is so important. And, um, you know, there are people all around the world who need to hear this information that you have to share with people. Um, and do you have anything else? How do, Dr. Chris, how do people get a hold of you? Do they, do you have a website they can go to? How can they get yeah, a hold sure. of your books? I know you have a couple of courses as well. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, well, I would just say too that I, I want to thank you for what you're doing because mental health is such a, is such a big area. 
And I just feel like I know we're all in this pandemic and, and, and of course that's something that we need to look at and be cognizant of, but the mental health ramifications of this, well, first of all, they existed before the pandemic and they're not getting, they're, you know, they're only getting worse with it. Yeah. So um, I just think that that's another big issue. And, and uh, I remember I was speaking with Dr. Greenblatt and he, he said that by the year 2030, a person will commit suicide globally every second. So to me, that's a staggering, staggering number. And he said that this is, oh gosh, it would have been five years or more ago. And so now we're close, you know, at that time I was like, oh, well, that's a long ways away, but actually it's not that far away. Right. And I think we're not that far off that number at this point. So anyway, how to reach me. So I, I mentioned this so that you can reach, reach Dr. V and Anne too. I'm not the only one, but there's, there's, we need more people that are doing this kind of work. So my website is just my name, Dr. Christina Bjorndal, which is a bit of a mouthful.com. And uh, my book is Beyond the Label, 10 Steps to Improve Your Mental Health with Naturopathic Medicine. And then the other little one that I like to mention is just this, on the eating piece, it's called the essential diet. So just understand that there's essential nutrients that you need to make these pathways work in your body. And, and I mentioned that I had an eating disorder, right? So I had a lot of cracks in my nutritional foundation and I was also a vegetarian, but there weren't hardly any vegetables in my diet. So I had like, I really, I didn't have the, I didn't have tryptophan, which is the, is the essential amino acid that makes serotonin, nor did I really have the cofactors to make that pathway work which is why the supplements starting with the supplements with Dr. Hoffer helped me get better. Mm -hmm. Right. But I want people to understand that you don't necessarily want to be supplementing yourself to death, right? They're, they're helpful for sure. And, and there's some that are, you're going to want to take probably for the rest of your life. Um, but you know, you, you also want to look at these other pieces of the puzzle. So, yeah. So basically that, and then, you know, I'm on those, all those usual, all the usual suspects, right? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we will have the information um, here, you know, below the video so that you can uh, get in touch with Dr. Christina, who's sharing this amazing life-saving information. And uh, again, we're so excited to have had an opportunity to chat with you today and to spread the news about your book. And so thank you so much for joining us today. And for those of you who joined us, for today's episode of Tribe Talk, thank you so much for joining in. If you or a loved one have been struggling with mental health disorders, uh, you know, please, please share this and reach out to Dr. Christina and uh, just know that you're not broken. There are answers and there are solutions and you are loved. Thank you so much for joining us today and we will see you at next week's Tribe Talk. Have a great day.